In today's episode, I join Carla Singson, seven-figure business owner, former marketing college instructor and CEO, to find out how she hires the right people and started her own businesses. Carla is also hilarious on Facebook, and she's also host of the None of Your Business podcast, where she talks with other entrepreneurs about everything but business. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and if you are ready to hire talents, please stay until the end of the episode to receive Carla's gifts. Hi, Annie. I'm good, and I'm super excited to be here. Me too. I've been so excited to have you on the podcast, and please tell the world about yourself. Right. So, hello, and good morning or good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are, to all of our aspiring CMOs out here. Um, I'm Carla Singson. I grew up in the Philippines, and I started my business journey with um, traditional business. I started a flower shop. And an events company in the Philippines, both had offices and we've served tons of corporate clients. And of course, for the flower shop, it was more personal, like a husband buying flowers for his wife and all of that. And um, I started to travel and also go to conferences, masterminds, meet people. And it inspired me to start a location independent business in 2017, which is an outsourcing company. So fast forward to say 14 years after, I still have my traditional businesses. Um, However, I am personally focused on growing my online business. And, you know, gratefully and fortunately, I have learned a few things along the way that helped me run these businesses without having to always firefight or you know, having to stay in day-to-day operations. So that's the business life of Carla. But, you know, without the business, I love reading. I love fried chicken. And <laughs> and I love John Mayer. That's it. Okay, okay. <laughs> awesome. Uh, when you realize that you want to start a location-independent business, which is something I aspire to do as well, uh, how did you come up with the outsourcing specifically? Yeah, so uh, that was a really good, it was a really good start because other people basically started it for me. I remember going to my first out-of-the-country conference. Um, it was in Phuket, Thailand. I attended a copywriting conference and um, people, the people that I met were like, oh my God, you're from the Philippines, you're Filipina, but you speak really good English. And, you know, we like hanging out with you. So can you find more people like you? (laughs) We've always wanted to hire virtual assistants. And so I told them, well, I'm not a virtual assistant. I wouldn't know what to look for. And then they were like, no, just help me find, just help me find these people. And we, we will give you like a job description. We trust your judgment. And so I think the first three people I helped, they were really happy. And they told other people about it. And then I started to charge money. Basically, I, I started a business with other people telling me to to start it or to do it. So I guess, you know, in terms of marketing, that is a lesson on demand and listening, right? Like listening to your market is, is bound uh, like more and m- way more valuable than you trying to think, what should I give them or what should I do? Okay. Okay. That's that's very cool, but because you kind of started alone then, and how did you, I guess, how many people do you need in your company to run a business like this? 
So you started alone and then. So right now we have probably close to 200 uh, team members, um, including the people that are, I would say, in the bench because we're a subscription service. So some people would, uh, and we do month to month, so some people would not be working or they would not be matched with a client this month and then they would stay in the bench and then they would uh, be matched with a client the next month. So, however, I believe that honestly, you can start any business with, you know, first of all, by yourself. Um, that's usually how most businesses start. You do everything yourself. And this time is really important because I, I understand you will, you might risk yourself for a little bit of burnout and that's normal, you know, um, but you get to really learn every piece of your business. And when you, and that's really important because when you hire, you know, what is a reasonable expectation for something, you know, for the time or the outcome that needs for the item that needs to be done. And so if I am though, to give advice on what should the first hire be for these solopreneurs who are wanting to start to scale and they're feeling ready to hire their first person, I would say start with an executive assistant. So start with someone who can help just get the little tasks out of your way and someone who can work closely with you and who someone whose sole purpose is to free up your time and not just time, headspace, so that you can grow your, your company better because at any point in time, you really are the best person to know what to do next for your business. But if you don't have this headspace because you're doing these things, you're firefighting, you're doing operations, you're doing tasks, basically, that someone else could have done for you, then it leaves very little room for innovation and creativity. And that's how a lot of businesses die. Okay. Wow. That, that's a really cool insight from you. Um, what was the most difficult part from your perspective, from your business to get from like zero to steady growth? I think the most difficult part really is when you forget to take care of retention and you're so focused on finding new clients. So it's normal for a lot of business people to grow their business like fast and to want to do it as fast as possible. Uh, and so, for example, if you're selling on social media, a lot of people say post more content or post more offers or spend money on ads or and they want to pour more money. And they're so focused on closing new business. Um, and I'm speaking specifically for service-based businesses um, because if you're doing product, all you need to do is stock up, right? And you're fine. Um, but if you're doing services, then you need to really take care of client experience and retention. So one big mistake that I see most people do is they're so focused on finding new business and then they forget to take care of uh, the business that they already have or the clients that they already have, which funnily actually are the best people to find you your next clients. Um, I was able to grow my outsourcing company from zero to seven figures in a year without spending anything on ads. And it's all because of organic uh, marketing or organic network, our affiliates, our clients telling other people about our services, you know, um, our clients upgrading to more contracts because they were super happy. So 
keeping this is my learning because I, I've made the mistake. I've I've made that mistake of pouring more gasoline to uh, lead generation and then forgetting how to make my clients happy. So, you know, I mean, I'm happy to pay and invest for more clients or lead generation. I just have to always be mindful that um, I need to also pay attention to the clients that I already have because they also, these people also turn into friends eventually, which is a bonus, a great bonus in doing business. And, um, and at the end of the day, these people will have just incredible loyalty, which is one of the best ways to describe like wealth, really like loyalty and friendship from these people. Yeah. Hi, if you listen to this far, thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave me a review on either Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or my YouTube channel. If you have any feedback for the show, please let me know on the Aspiring CMO Podcast social media pages on Facebook and Instagram, or send me an email on my website. Now let's get back to the episode. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Do you also train your VAs uh, before they go to work with the client? Mm-hmm. So um, before they go to work with a client, it is expected that they would have experience from uh, from their previous jobs to experience that matches what the client needs. But of course, we also provide um, a dedicated client success manager for each client whose only job is to be obsessed with their experience, make sure they have a great experience. And, um, and then we also facilitate uh, really good onboarding uh, for the virtual assistants and not just virtual assistants, other roles too, like project managers, operations managers, et cetera. Um, because the onboarding is really a very vital part of the success of any outsourcing project. A lot of people go to Upwork, go to Facebook groups when they hire. And so the first hurdle is to make the job description really amazing and on point so that you can attract the right person. And then you have to interview, you have to background check, you have to vet them. Let's say you've succeeded in that. You could still fail because you have a bad onboarding uh, process. And so expectations weren't met, communication wasn't top notch. And so that is why working with a managed outsourcing company like ours, you know, obviously even if we're not gonna work together, but working with a managed outsourcing company is super important because these are companies that know what they're doing. They do this every day and they are bounced ahead of you in the hiring and onboarding and client success process of things. Literally, we do it every day. We onboard like five clients every week or something. So, you know, we we got you. We will hold your hand. That's really cool because I think it was... I don't know, a year and a half or two years ago when I started freelancing and I obviously went to Upwork and I, from a freelancer VA side, the whole process of Upwork is also horrible because yeah, it's a, it's a very terrible, toxic environment, but I was like, well, this is what I got. Uh, this is what I got to do because I wanted to get a new client. Actually, the best way to also get a client is to networking. So I, I started actually face-to-face networking. It was so much easier, but I did get one lucky client from Upwork. Um, but yeah, it, like the whole process is painful. So even I guess for VAs is is so much better to to work with companies like yours, right? Absolutely. And you know what? I want to take care of my team too. So you already know this experience. 
it's it's hard to it's so when when a VA does something wrong, um, it's so easy to blame them because as a client, you're the one paying money, right? But if you didn't have a good onboarding process, then the VA doesn't understand the full context of your task. And they they don't have a full picture of your expectations. And really, disappointment is just missed expectations. That's really it. And so this is also a way for me to protect my team, uh, for me to protect my people so that they don't get blamed. And so we really take care of both parties uh, that client side that the task gets done and the VA side or the outsource, we call them RPs, remote professionals, uh, and the RP side to make sure that they're, that they fully understand the thing and that also we honor their intelligence and their capabilities and that we trust them with this task. Because a lot of people outsource in a way that it's almost like, I wouldn't say slavery, but the way that we they deal with remote, yeah, like these are the tasks, do it. Don't ask me questions, just do this. If you're smart enough, do it. Like some people are like that. Sometimes you can't blame them. They don't know how to be bosses or something, right? But, um, and then at the end of the day, because they're the client and they're the ones paying money, if the task doesn't get done, they just blame the RP. So we don't want that. Bad experience on those ones. Um, but out. I just started to let go of it because I don't care. <laughs> I just have this mentally, I just have this thing, mental thing, like, well, I don't care if you're pissed off because that's my, that was my job. So <laughs> goodbye. Yeah. Uh, Did you have to refund them or something? No, 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 no. It wasn't like that. It was just, uh, it's like, actually I had the, this experience where I wanted to do more, but the client wasn't ready. So I was really like very active. I'm like, yo, why don't you do this? Yeah. <laughs> you know? But I guess it's also crossing the line because they are, they are, this is their business, whatever. So, right. So I just got bored, I think, with the, the client work. So, yeah. But maybe I should try it again to with better clients. It's my part to not choose right clients as well. So, uh, that's from a, <laughs> yeah. Uh, since it's an aspiring CMO podcast, I do want to have this question like in your terms, uh, what do you think a perfect, a perfect quote quote marketing assistant would look like or act like that's awesome so um this is funny because i actually have uh, a ton of people that i work with I, honestly not just work with but i am friends with that are amazing cmos i'll actually introduce you to some of them on annie because because they will be amazing on this podcast um they yeah they have done like really big campaigns like eight figure campaigns real estate deals and all that anyway but um so these are my friends and obviously when they outsource for a marketing assistant they come to me and uh, they have that trust because they know at, at my heart I'm a marketing person so we do have that advantage you know so I, I'm gonna be thick-skinned right here and tell you guys that it is our advantage I have um I have a marketing degree and I actually taught marketing at a university and so marketing is my romance. Basically, I love marketing. I read marketing books for fun and all that. Um, I, I wouldn't call myself, you know, if I was not doing outsourcing, I would definitely be a CMO. And that's why I'm very inspired by this podcast. And I was really excited to do this. And you. You know, if I had this podcast while I, I was 25 or something, I would be listening to this podcast every day. Oh my um, God, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> 
So I'm, I'm sharing this. I'm sharing this podcast to my past students, to my university. So you're doing something, you're doing something magical here, Ani, and I'm so honored to be part of it. But um, before we cry, uh, let me answer your question. Reply, stop following over here. Uh, such a such a long uh, intro, no. Um, but I would say, what are what are we looking for for a marketing assistant? First of all, um, I think CMOs, aspiring CMOs, director of marketing people. Um, I think when you're looking for a marketing assistant, number one thing that they should look for is natural curiosity. I think that is really number one because. Um, before, I, I think it was in the 80s or in the 70s, sales and marketing was one thing, right? Uh, and you, most people, you would see it in offices. Departments are called sales and marketing. And then, um, you know, the subjects evolved and now we realize, oh, sales and marketing are actually two very different things. You know, sales is uh, closing the deal and, and getting the money in the door. And marketing is communicating in a certain way that, you uh, and listening to the market and also um, all the efforts that get you to be known and basically create demand, right? Make them make your market want you basically. So two different, you know, things. And so when I look for a marketing assistant, we always hire the uh, number one thing that we look for is curiosity. So when we do our interviews, we try to make our uh, interviewees tell stories that display curiosity obviously we're not gonna say tell me about a time that you were curious obviously we won't say it like that we would we would say the question in a more creative way uh that their natural curiosity would come out so i'll I'll give you one example so one of the questions that we could ask is um in the past 10 years what is the what is a recurring truth that you believe in that most people would disagree with. I, right? What a question. It's not a marketing question. It's not a marketing question, but it gives you a window on how they think. Right? Yeah, right. So humor me, Annie. Can you can you answer the question? <laughs> what is what is a belief that in the past years I believed in, but nobody else around me? Yeah. That most people or or like most people would disagree with you. It doesn't matter if it's abortion politics uh about your hair or your skin i don't care but just give me a truth a recurring truth in your head that you really truly believe in that most people would disagree with well okay so uh in context the most people uh because last uh, 10 years ago i was 12 <laughs> or like i was 14 so i was oh like <laughs> <It's> <laughs> i hate you right now <laughs> i'm just saying like okay in in my world back then like 12 14 right i, I was yeah. like really just or like in back. the past 10 years but yeah, like between context. that time and now yeah yeah so basically the the thing i believed in always is that i'm more than just a vietnamese person and okay, is it because oh, uh, so so because I'm a Vietnamese Hungarian or Hungarian Vietnamese? I grew up in like the whitest country in Europe. So if people call me whitewashed, they should because uh, well, duh, you know. <laughs> uh, but even from that time, like fourteen until now, twenty four, they keep telling me the same thing. Whether like I'm I'm having this podcast right now, why am I not doing it in Vietnamese or like. I'm, I'm building a YouTube channel. I'm doing uh, short videos. Why am I not doing it in Vietnamese? Same thing uh, when I was 14. You should learn Vietnamese really well because later in your future, you will use this. 
And yes, I am trilingual. I, I do speak the language, but it's not the, I don't want to do it. Like, sorry, like, I don't, I still feel more comfortable with English. And I spent a lot of time speaking like, <laughs> you know, it was a lot of blessing. So yeah, that's the belief. And, and now that I'm surrounding myself with so many international people like you, Carla, my friends and all the other guests in my podcast so far, like they are so international. Like I've seen like, I always sense that there is an international community for me and I, I belong there. And even my best friend, she is a Filipina, but she grew up in the Middle East. She was, she was what? She grew up there basically. And then we met in America, like for her, her background is like even more mixed than mine, you know? So I always believed in like, there is a, is a place for, I guess, third culture kids. And I am super right right now because I see so many third culture kids everywhere, flying anywhere, like, and just living here. So yeah, that's the, that's my belief. I don't know if that curiosity though, I don't know if that would, I would pass the interview question, but yeah, that's it. That's my emotional answer. I love it. I love it. No, honestly. So another thing that we look for is honesty, right? Because you know what, what was very important with marketing too. Marketing is a lot of research. It's a lot of listening. And when you're marketing, when you're doing marketing tasks, you have to be in front of your market. But if you're a marketing assistant, you also have to answer to your boss. So the other thing is, are you going to tell your boss the truth based on what you found in the market? Or are you going to tell your boss the easy way? And so honesty is also very important. And so that question actually, and I, I, I made it, I made sure to share this after you answered, um, so you would definitely pass. It was very honest. It was very, very raw. And for me to find the curiosity, I can just ask follow-up questions, right? Like a follow-up question that I would ask that is I would be like, when was the time that you discovered this, this side of your identity and and how did you decide on it? What was that process? So naturally, you would tell me some experiences, some culture, maybe a movie that you watched. It would show. It would slowly show me how curious you are. So um, obviously, this is like super. I, I don't know, like HR stuff, right? I might be boring some of our marketer friends here because it's like hiring HR. But um, if you are an aspiring CMO and you're starting your career. As a marketing assistant, as everyone starts, oh, oh my God, I love, I would love being a marketing assistant. If I was like 19 years old right now, it would just really make me super happy. That would be my dream job. And then, um, but so everyone starts there and then, you know, you become a marketing professional, you become a consultant or a marketing manager, director, and then a CMO. So um, now you're a CMO or a director and you're hiring a marketing assistant. Look for curiosity, honesty. And the number three thing would be like data-driven decision-making. So um, I, I, I think in, in, its, in its core, uh, marketing people should be yeah, really curious and honest, but how are they going to apply these characteristics to make it make sense in the business? Number three would definitely be data-driven. Uh. Yeah, I love that. I actually had to work on it when I... Uh, I my first marketing job. I'm I'm pretty sure I'm gonna make a YouTube video about it. I was the one person marketing department. I'm not. <laughs> sounds it sounds so fancy though. I was the department, you know. And right, but I was so new. I was just out of school. I my I didn't even major in marketing, but I knew I wanted to be in marketing. 
and they honestly probably hired me out of desperation because uh, I don't know, <laughs> like, just be honest, you know, like, I don't think they had better candidates as usual, like, okay, let's get this girl. And that's when the time I didn't even know what lead meant, like, what is a lead? I didn't know what that meant. And I didn't know how to run ads, but then, okay, running ads is, you can learn it from a tutorial too. And that's what I started to think like, okay, listen to, the, see the numbers, see the analytics. And I guess that's when I started to like digital marketing a lot better because I wasn't tied to just an idea that my boss told me, like my boss told me this should be working and I tested it. No, it didn't work. You know, it's uh, like the whole data distributing. I actually had to learn into it on the job. I don't think I actually had that in me when I when I joined yeah interesting interesting so um what what were there any pivotal experiences or activities that you experienced when you were starting that made you think like oh my god I love this job and this job is for me and I'm just gonna do this for the next 10 years or something I think when I did my first report to, I, I was quitting my job. I, I had to quit my job because uh, it was COVID. Everything was really stressful. The CEO was like going mad because it was, you know, COVID. And I was like, I think it's time for me to quit. But then I had to, I wanted to put together like a really nice uh, report. What's going on? What was the ROI of the campaign? Um, what did I do? And it was really nice. Like, I, I don't think it's math. Like math is different. Reporting is different to me because I don't have to mill my calculate stuff. It's kind of like data visualization mostly, I think. But correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, you're fine. Uh, yeah, I think I like that. And also, too, running the campaign was difficult because I'm still not the most, um, how to say, logical human, but coming up with different creatives and then seeing after the campaign how it performed was really cool it's just really cool stuff like actually yesterday i had three uh podcast interviews too and i just started to mess around at riverside and i just i didn't feel like i was working like this whole content oh, process right. is uh it was 9 or 10 p.m after everything was done and i was like oh i'm not even tired it, this is actually fun i wanna i wanna keep going I love that. I love that. There are those moments when it's like, it, it, it's, it's, this is what they say, the state of flow, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, you're not working. You're just in, and your brain is so switched on and you feel good and it doesn't feel like work. And there are certain things that make us feel that way. Uh, sometimes it's a sport. Sometimes it's an art. Sometimes it's a thing that makes you money and that is the best gift of all. Right. And so in, in my um, business as an outsourcing professional, this is the state that I help get my clients in, really. Um, and, and the way that we can do that is outsourcing. You know, you don't have to do this yourself. You can only do the things in your company that you like, and then that's it. And then we'll, we'll, we'll take, we'll protect your headspace, we'll protect your time. And I think also that a lot of marketers and a lot of people listening to your podcast, they become hesitant with outsourcing because they feel that as marketers they don't have the skills to hire and onboard and a lot of marketers honestly are weirdos including you and me 100 <laughs> percent. and so 
Because we're weirdos, a lot of marketers actually don't view themselves as a leader or as a boss. A lot of people, a lot of marketers I know hate the term boss even. Yeah. Don't call me boss. Don't call me ma'am. Um, uh, and and, and uh, a great gift to that feeling is is outsourcing. Honestly, like even if we don't end up working together, guys, it feels like I'm selling, but I really believe in what I do. And I, I believe that we're doing a lot of good too. A lot of yeah. people. Uh, I do want to ask a question when you were teaching in university, did you already teach uh, the students about uh, kind of working with other people in the company or how did it feel like to be a teacher really to teach marketing? Oh, that's, that's a good, good question. question. Well, I taught literally kids, right? So, um, as a, and this is another uh, this is another part of the experience. So a lot of the kids that I taught also actually didn't even want to be marketers. They just took the course because their parents forced them to do it or their parents owned businesses and they had to like take a business course. So there's that little context, but I did have the privilege of teaching at one of the best uni business universities in the Philippines. And um, my experience was, because I was also young and immature, <laughs> it was more work than happiness. I I'll be honest with you on that. It was a bit stressful. It wasn't paying as much as it should, which is why you should honestly teach when you're when you're done with the money-making stuff. But that's why a lot of professors, you know, teach when they're older and they just want to impart the knowledge and experience, right? And so I, to, 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 you know, to me, I didn't have enough experience to teach these kids. I had case studies and I read a lot of books and I prepared, you know, I had a lesson plan. I prepared for my, for my classes. But I think the, the good part of it is and I will be selfish here, is it was great for me because I was forced to learn theory again and again and again as I taught it. And even making those lesson plans, creating those tests, well, now I, you know, I, honestly, that probably helped me with my career in outsourcing because I was creating these exam questions, these essay questions, and I was, I was creating these tests to really measure how much my students learn. And one of the things I'm really proud about when I was a uh, when I was a college instructor, I wouldn't call myself a professor because I didn't, I don't have a PhD or anything, I but I would call myself college instructor is, um, one of the things I'm super proud of is I only did exams and quizzes in essay form. And the reason for that is I believe that the only way that I could measure if you've learned the thing is if you can explain it back to me. And I obviously didn't care about grammar or or composition, we were not a writing class, but it was important for me to see who really understood the lesson. And uh, it was great, it was great. A lot of people didn't like it, a lot of students didn't like it, but for me, I felt that it was very reason a very reasonable ask. And so um, if you're hiring, you know, now that we're in the workplace, obviously I don't want you to just take away that, that learning and not apply it in the workplace. Try to practice training your team or having that expectation that your team can explain something to you eloquently 
using their words, that they're good communicators, always have that expectation. Amazon calls this the right first culture. And, um, and if you are able to write things, you know, comprehensively and eloquently, it also trains your brain to think better because when you put, uh, when you put words on a page, it makes it, it makes your thoughts real. And if it's real and if it's on a page, you are more conscious about how you sound. So yeah, maybe do a, some essay part of your hiring your marketing assistant. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Uh, because I think when I first, I, I applied to a big company too. And then their first uh, question was also like a big uh, essay. Yeah, yeah, that was really cool. Um, and now reflecting on your business experience and teaching experience and like marketing experience, what would be your number one as, uh, advice for aspiring CMOs and entrepreneurs? My number one advice would definitely be continue working on your natural curiosity, um, whether that means learning a new sport, learning a new language, learning a new culture, traveling, these things help. Um, reading biographies, um, discovering something new about yourself. So whether you like journaling, any other mindfulness activities, trying out a new experience, trying out new dishes, no? So um, trying out new outfits or styles, see how you feel. So always try to work on your natural curiosity because number one, it just enriches your experience as a human person. And that's a great gift in itself. And number two, it expands your brain to what is what is usually asked of marketing people. Let's think out of the box, right? Like that is always, oh my God, if you're a marketing person, how many times have you heard that, right? Oh my God, Ani, like I don't need to be cliche. Let's think out of the box. Give me new ideas. So that's always what is demanded of us as if we're just like, oh, give me, just give me some drugs and then <laughs> I'll think out of the box, right? Yeah, it's not it's not a switch that you can just turn on. It's a muscle that you have to practice because it pieces of inspiration come to you in different experiences. And and so enrich your life with more curiosity and try to um, be more present also in the moment, less looking at your phone, more enriching the experience that is in front of you. Amazing. I love it. I love this so much. And. Yeah, thank you so much for joining the podcast, Carla. And if people would like to reach out to you, how can they find you? Cool beans. So if you want to uh, find out, if you, if you guys want to follow my journey, follow me on Instagram. It's Carla Stefan, K-A-R-L-A-S-T-E-F-A-N. And on Facebook, I'm Carla Singson. So you'll easily find me. I post many times during the day. It's yeah. hilarious, um, by the way. I love your Facebook <laughs> posts. You should do stand-up comedy. You got it up business. I just do stand-up. One day. Uh, I only need $3 billion, Ani. Like, right. If you can help me with that, I'll start my stand-up career. <laughs> but yeah, that is my dream also. I love comedy. I think comedy really um, you know, uh, inspires me to also think out of the box, but in sick ways. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, so a little warning when you get on my Facebook, you know, some of some of my content is not safe for kids or not safe for work. Um, uh, but also I want to give you guys something if you want to work with us, a proximity outsourcing. So we have a lot of amazing resources at proximityoutsourcing.com proximity slash vault. It is where we hide or 
uh, actually hide because we don't share that link super publicly. We don't run ads to it, but um, we have a lot of really, really good resources there that will help you in your business. Um, you can download any resource there. And the other bonus is if you decide to work with us, mention this podcast and the listeners of this podcast there in that link, you will get a $200 voucher for any service that you want to start with us. So you get a discount and obviously don't forget to mention this podcast because I want to, uh, gift you guys something that is exclusive to your experience as aspiring marketers. Um, please let me know. And I'm so excited to serve your community, Ani. 